With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Hockey World. It's August 10th. It's Wednesday, and it's the year 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time and fills you in on the comings and goings of the hockey world so you don't have to pay any attention at all. And we have something to talk about right off the top of the show, according to Mike. Go, Mike. Well, <laughs> it just came out about an, about two hours ago, and it was actually some very sad news. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, John Saunders, a uh, longtime host on ESPN, um, and, and I really—he's one of the guys, too. Canadian, yeah. Canadian yep. guy. Well, but but the, you know, he was one of the people on ESPN who was very prominent in terms of hockey coverage. I mean, yeah. he, he was a Canadian. He was a, he was a former player. Uh, I think it was uh, junior hockey. Junior hockey. Yeah, he played. I think he played Western Michigan American College hockey. But you know, he was always part of their NHL coverage when it was there. And uh, you know, I Russ, Russ said that you know when he did the sports reporters, uh, when there was something that had to do with hockey, it was brought up as opposed to. And it was never the negative hockey story. It was yeah. the real hockey story. Like it wasn't just about fighting. Or, or something like that. Yeah, he it seems like a sudden thing too. There's no word yet, right? Yeah. I mean, it is? was sudden. They they don't have any word on it. Sixty one, you know, and he was just yeah. he was just talking text. When you look at his Twitter feed, he was just a couple days ago. He was yeah. talking to everybody like nothing was going on at all. There's no signs that he was sick or anything like that. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I've watched him from way back because living on Long Island, we were one of the first neighborhoods really in the country to have cable, right, with cable vision. And so yeah. I hooked on with ESPN early on there when they were showing world ping pong tournaments and rugby and all yeah. kinds of A lot of Australian rules football. Yes, a lot. And, and football. a lot of Canadian football. And when they got the NHL agreement, Bob Lee and John Saunders, they were your go-to guys. And the yeah. other guy who I forget Tom had brown Meese. hair. Tom, Tom Meese. Tommies, those Tommy. were your go-to hockey guys. Yeah, they were. They were your good-to-go. They were, and they were all, they all knew what they were talking about. And it is. it is a shame with ESPN about on the on the on the verge, you know, of doing the World Cup of hockey. ESPN's kind of return to hockey. It's yeah. coming up with the World Cup in less than a month now, um, or actually no more than a month. But I'm I'm leaving in a, a month and two days from now. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. We are. Um, it's a, it is it's a real shame, and I'm sure, you know, I wanted to, I put a little text into my buddy. John Butchergrass to see if you know if he wanted to come on at some point and talk about it because you know I I, just, I think that yeah I mean this is it, it, it's a really shame and, and I, w I don't know what happened and I really I hope hope everything was fine I hope you know I just it's hard to imagine yeah and so. and and yeah it's and it's it's funny because I I've noticed that regarding ESPN and obviously this is this was something completely unforeseen but if you notice. Uh, you know, Mike Tirico left for NBC. I mean, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, St uh, Stuart Scott, who was a great host, passed away a few years ago. Yeah. There seems to be a genuine, like a, like a, uh, a dispara from ESPN going to other networks. And it's, I mean, Fox Sports One is giving them competition. It's, it's not the powerhouse that it used to be. When you lose someone of the 
credibility of John Saunders. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a big loss. Plays into yeah, it. That's the key thing. He, he had credibility. I would always watch the sports reporters. It's one of the few shows that I still watch on that network, and I would always enjoy what he added and then his parting shot. He always was like a caring guy, and but like you said, there was integrity there. And yeah. it's funny that he was a hockey player first before he was any kind of journalist, broadcaster, whatever. But yet he he never wavered, and that's the thing I always appreciated about him. Did he do Canadian? I can't imagine. I imagine he probably did like TSN. I don't know. I don't know. His I don't know. Style. I don't know if he ever did. No, from what I read of uh, you know of his bio mm -hmm. after you know in the last couple hours, I, apparently he went and did uh, some sort of uh, sports reporting or broadcasting in a an affiliate in Baltimore, and then right, I heard that. He went to ESPN in 1986, so he's been there for he'd been there for 30 years. Yeah, so, that's, geez, and that's that's the history of cable TV right there. I mean, 30 right. years. Right. I mean, he wasn't in the he wasn't in the original like the, the Bob Lee Chris Berman group that that started at ESPN from the very beginning. No, but he, he was, was right he, after that. He was in that next wave, and you know, you've got a lot of people who you know. I think Oberman and and Patrick uh, came from CNN actually. To, to ESPN, I think, but you know, so. there was a, a great conflagration of talent there. Now you just don't see it. You know, there there are some good people still there, but you don't see as much. And I think that's sort of like what we're seeing in terms of network TV, where all these other networks, you know, cable networks and everything, and everything is spreading out. And you're not going to have, uh, you know, I'd say ESPN a few years ago was like the big three networks years and years ago, and now those networks have less. Credibility and less impact, and I think ESPN. Is oh, there's no question. An accident out front of my house. Nice. Oh boy. Um, that's a hearty, hearty dog lap. Dog birthday. That's Kai. Yeah. All right. So um, yeah, I was trying to remember if he came before. I think he came before CNN, actually. Uh, well, no, I mean CNN has television. CNN had a sports show at 11:30 at night. Guys they like did. Nick, they Nick had a couple Charles, of hosts there. Nick, Nick Charles, Fred Hickman, right. uh, but all but Oberman, Oberman, Oberman was there and Patrick was there. But I don't know if they started at ESPN and then came back or vice versa. We should give them credit. Nick Charles and Fred Hickman were big time guys yeah. when ESPN was small. And actually, when I was in a hotel business, there was the Holyfield Foreman fight, right. and a lot of Actors, Will Smith was there, a lot of people, and I got into a party up there in my hotel, and I got my wife up in there, and we were talking to people. And I was talking to those guys then when I was just in the hotel business because I had a lot of reverence for them because they were sort of some of the early pioneers of cable television. You know, there were always the local guys like Bill Mazur. Everybody had a local guy, but but he was, they were like the cable guys, and they were, you know, so they, they're sort of forgotten now, but they were good. Yeah, ESPN launched in 79 and CNN launched in 80, for those of you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, but the, the one thing about ESPN that was, that's kind of interesting is it, it, in a way, launched cable television in general um, because there was a concept of the these um, extra, these, this way you could actually broadcast television to people beyond just over your antenna, and the guys from ESPN are the ones who sort of came up with this concept and started doing it just locally around Connecticut and really kind of launched the whole cable TV, call of cable TV. I mean, ESPN, and ESPN is, is the most expensive channel. I know people in the cable business, if you want to, you know, when it's the most expensive channel, you pay probably, there's a good 6 or $7 of your cable bill that's going straight to ESPN every month. Um, they pay a lot. You have to pay a lot of money to, to keep ESPN on your, on your network. Um, 
And CNN really got going slowly. I was fine. I just I just happened to watch this documentary on a really great documentary called the '70s and the there's there's one called the '70s, one called the '80s on Netflix. They're just amazing. And and uh, they talk about the history of television. And I kind of there's a whole thing about ESPN in there. And then there's a whole thing about CNN. And it's funny, just as an aside. And do you know do you remember, do you know what got CNN off the ground? Like what launched CNN? What made it suddenly really like must see? No, I do know the original story. I do, but go ahead and tell it because I can't. Come off and pop well, you know, there was this little girl who fell down a well. Remember, this is this is how the whole thing started. So it happened. I'm I'm not quite sure where it happened. Um, but she was she fell down this well. They could hear her talking, but they couldn't get to her. And CNN decided to send a person out there and basically stayed on you know 24/7 about the story. And it became this thing that gripped the country. And everybody started watching CNN because of it. And it was you know this whole 24-hour we're going to be there all the time. We're going to stay there until she's rescued kind of thing. That CNN launched, and that's how the whole thing launched into it. So it's just interesting, because that whole concept of twenty-four hour news was, you know, that was that was ridiculous back then. Oh yeah. You know, the news was an hour, you know, half hour tops. You know, that's what you wanted, um, and that's all you got. But let's move on back 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 to hockey. And before we get into some of, we have some interesting stories to talk about, including Ovechkin. I wanted to talk about Los Tiburones. You heard? Have you seen this? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, I'm happy to know. About this. All right, so is that, a new, is that a new brand of Tostitos? No, the Sharks. Um, here it is. Oh, the Tiburones. Now this is a new uniform, a new jersey that they actually are launching, um, and it's de designed by the first um, person who designed the original Sharks logo. Um, the guy who did the original Shark logo, and it's just this is apparently the the nickname for the Sharks among the Spanish speaking speaking people. It does mean the Sharks, so it's not like a it's like a crazy nickname, but this is what. And this is the jersey, so I thought that was kind of neat. I don't know. I mean, the Mets did it a long time ago with Los Mets. I'm not against this, but I just can't imagine that that fan base is big enough that it warrants a jersey. That, that's my... No, that area, man. That area is... is I know. It's, it's enormous. I get it, but... I mean, I mean, well, I mean I, you know, well, honestly, I, I would have thought it would have been more... Because I, 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 I'd be lying if I knew the demographic and uh, racial... Uh, Breakdown in Northern California and Southern California, but I know that it's more Hispanic in Southern California. So it would make more sense for the Ducks or the Kings to do something like that. It's it's not though. I mean, I mean, I I spent a lot of time out there. As you know, my wife was before we were married lived out there for a couple of years. So I spent a lot of time in San Jose area, and there are huge sections of. I mean, San Jose itself is incredibly Hispanic. Um, the area around San Jose, I mean, the roads are like El Camino Real is the big road. I mean, there's a lot of Spanish um, in San Jose. It, it, it's it's very, very Spanish-speaking. And um, I mean, and, so will, like, the Jewish community now get one that says, Oi, the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just wondering. Get out of the water. Um, yeah, no, what, I mean, I, that's... I we're going to need a bigger We're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Yeah, let's bring Mr. Dreyfus in. Are they making one for every denomination act? No, but this is cool because, I mean, honestly, what's going on here? I mean, you know, if you're a Sharks fan and you're buying a, a jersey out and you're in that area, I mean, this is cool to reach out to this, this community. I mean, I think I'm, I'm for it. I'm, 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 I'm totally for it. I think it's awesome. I mean, I, there are a lot of Hispanic hockey fans now, and that's a cool thing. Sure. And, and it's just, And especially with the success of the Sharks. I mean, the Sharks now have this sort of casual fan base, which they've never had before because people followed... I mean, the Warriors and the Sharks really were like a one-two punch last year in that area, going through, you know, to the finals and everything like that. And that whole area became really sports crazy. 
um, with the, with sports that weren't the normal sports for that area to be sports crazy with. I mean, the 49ers had a great have had a great run, obviously, in the past. That the the Giants are. Don't still, worry, Chip Kelly will kill that. Yeah, yeah the Giants are still huge, <laughs> and uh, and have won plenty of times. But you know, for the Sharks and the and the Golden State Warriors, last year was I mean. That spring was pretty amazing. I mean, they both took this run, and they both, they, you know, they, I mean, one fell short, you know, and one didn't, right? If I remember oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I, I'm trying to remember what happened in basketball. Sorry, that's terrible of me, but, you know. They uh, both fell short. They both they fell both short. Fell, Sorry, they thank both you. Fell short. They so, fell short, yeah. Sorry. So the, so, the sports, so the sports fans in Northern California are basically waiting for the San Andreas Fault to, to, to uh, take them into the Pacific Ocean. No, 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 no. Listen, the Giants are having a good season. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all, I mean, I mean, the 49ers one of the coolest uniforms in all of football. I mean, it yeah, is. Just like, you know, they, they definitely are. Well, it, it didn't, didn't the Giants win all their Super all their Super Bowls, all their World Series in even-numbered years? Isn't this like one of those? I don't know. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah, I think pretty, that is going on. So yeah, I also wanted to thank my friend um, when I, you know, and I mentioned things on the on the air. It's funny how I like say I get these emails and say, oh, you know what I have? I have a uh, I have a Philadelphia Stars helmet. So I got like the Stars helmet back there. The freaking. Now does that one have the bar so you? Can't no, I can put this on, but my head, my freaking head is too big for it. Um, <laughs> I can't get ahead. I'm afraid of putting it on. It's like just at that point where I could really try. <laughs> I'm not saying a thing. I know, I know. It's a pretty large helmet, right? But um. Was your head small enough to fit in it before we started this show? No, 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 no. So I'm, I'm at the point where I could probably do it, but I'm really terrified of what would happen if I tried. <laughs> it would be a 911 call. So again, I'm being tortured by like something I really want to wear. Is this Eklund with a great kazoo? Something I really want to wear, <laughs> but I can't wear it because uh, like the, the, cause the, uh, the Delaware football helmet has a bar in it that I can't get past. That one would fit me for sure. Cut it. Cut the bar. I can't. Look cut at the it. thing. Right. Yes, you can get one of those. No, wait a second. Look, look, look at this thing. This bar goes right across. That's. Uh, I mean, it's it's like totally. You can cut it. I get. Yeah, if you get a bandsaw, you can cut that. Right. Exactly. <sighs> I don't know if I can. I. Uh, I mean, I have to really. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, so I want to thank them for sending me that. And you know, it's funny. He said he had something else. He said he could send me, which is really hilarious. He has a um, a New Jersey Generals helmet. Signed by Donald Trump. Oh God! <laughs> well, if I ever am out in the forest and I need some place to go to the bathroom, that I could use that. I mean, what would you think? I mean, um, Russ, in the collectible community, is that something that? Yeah, it would sell. I mean, you could know, be pretty valuable. I never really thought about it, but I got a lot of paychecks signed by Donald Trump, and he's got this weird autograph. It's like, yeah, it's no paychecks actually signed by Donald Trump. Yeah, well, I used to. I mean, yeah, back in the day, yeah, for years. Wow. That's but I didn't crazy. save any of them. I probably should have. You probably should have, yeah. You're, you're one of the few people who actually got a paycheck. But anyway. Um, <laughs> because before, before he filed for bankruptcy, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> or, or before he didn't pay people. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the other, uh, other hockey news. Um, Ovechkin and the World Cup of Hockey. This has become a bit of a controversy back and forth. It has. Ovechkin is getting married later this month. We found that out. Um, you know, and but I, I don't know. I, it seems like he's healthy. It's weird that Russia, the Russia's playing this little game with this thing a little bit. Um, what's the latest, guys? I mean, I I've been trying to follow I mean, he's it. He's got a video that's showing him working out, but to me, that still doesn't mean he didn't ding up his knee. Like I, you know, right. like this is this has become laughable now because every outlet has picked it up. Look, Alex Ovechkin isn't hurt. 
where did he get the star? You know, it's coming from Ovechkin. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But again, would Alex Ovechkin tell us if he was hurt right now? No, probably not. I've yeah. seen I've seen the Alex Ovechkin video almost as much as I've seen Tim Tebow taking swings with a. <laughs> it's like, you know, this viral video stuff. That anyway, but uh, I mean, let's just say this: if there's any question about Alex Ovechkin being ready for the regular season, he's not going to play in the World Cup. But he, they'll probably keep this on the down low until the last possible moment because. Yeah. A, they want him there, and B, I'm sure if Ovechkin doesn't play in the tournament, it would affect some people buying tickets. So I think that you're not really going to hear anything until maybe the week before the tournament. Do you then, think it really affects ticket buying? I'm not I sure. Do. It could. It could. Here he is I mean, with, his, um, with his bride-to-be. Um, yeah, very, I follow them on Instagram. They seem like a good couple. They do seem like a good couple, and this is a real, and that's a that's a Looks really like they're roughing it. It's a really good looking. Hey, let me tell you something about Ovechkin because you know you had that smarmy comment there, but during the winter when we were getting pelted with snow, especially then we weren't getting it that bad. They were. He actually went to the gas station to fill up like his <laughs> snowblower. And he was pumping people's gas. Oh yeah, no, he is. He's 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 awesome. I mean, he pumped other people's gas, and I believe he helped people on his block help them clear the snow. Like you know, there's a guy in my block with a snowblower. He does blue collar stuff like that. Even even the news was like, "Why are you out on a day like this?" And he's like, "Why not?" Yeah, no, he, I mean, he's like, I grew up in Russia for crying out loud. Yeah, this is and he went I with a pickup this. truck or something. Like he's a, he is not that spoiled of a guy. That's what I'm trying to say. No, he isn't. He really isn't. I mean, and and you know, but it is funny how there's this this weird um, Russian thing going on with him yes. because you don't think of him necessarily. I mean, he's obviously Russian, but he plays in the United States. He's part of the United States in a lot of ways because he's here all the time. He plays in the in the capital of the United States, right loud. And it usually would get pretty good information from about him, you know, regarding from the capitals or whatever. Yeah, but now, here's the thing. So if we want to be real news guys, we could go with this. And Ovechkin doesn't realize that, that with this quote, it is up for interpretation. Now, of course, it went through a translator, but it says, at the moment, I continue to prepare for the season, more so this year because we have an early start with the national team. Now, at the moment, does that mean that you did ding up your knee and you didn't train before this moment? Right. That does sound like but a That makes you think yeah. that. It does sound like a little bit of a translation thing, though. I wonder. I it could be. No, but I'm just saying it could be. But the idea is NBC put that up. And right. but the idea is, it does sort of lead you down that other path. Like, right. hey, maybe you did have a sore knee, and now you are working out. Right. I mean, his season ended in the second round. That would have been early May. So you're talking. I mean, if he had, you know, I, we don't know anything about whether there's been surgery or whether it was just rehabilitation. But if he had to rehab his knee, if there is, he had a knee pro, a knee problem. And it takes what knee, most knee problems usually take, which is say four to six weeks. You're talking the end of June, early July, before he could get into his off-season workout routine. So he could be behind. That could simply right. be what's going on. Yeah, I mean, what kind of pressure? Uh, there's just a ton of pressure on him to play in this game. And this is this. Is, I mean, especially after what happened in the Olympics and everything like that. There's no question. This is like Stanley Cup pressure for him in the World Cup, where for like. A lot of other players, they don't feel that sort of Stanley Cup pressure because it's, pre, you know, it's sort of like preseason to the NHL. Yes, yeah. there's a, a history for the World Cup, but a lot of these players only have watched it on television, so they probably don't know how they're going to feel. But I guarantee you, Ovechkin already has heard it from a million people 
that he's got to win this for Russia. Like, it just, it's a thing. Yeah, and I'm sure it's more important, even more important now in Russia in terms of an event after the embarrassment that's been happening in terms of the Olympics yeah. with a lot of their a lot of their athletes. I mean, the Paralympic team was banned from the Olympic, uh, the Paralympics in September in in Brazil because of Maldonium, and we know that a number of athletes were uh, either accused and are still participating or were not participating in the in the Rio Olympics because of Maldonium. And there's been, I mean. We saw the uh, American swimmer have a, a confrontation with uh, with the with the Russian swimmer, and, I, and honestly, if you're a competing athlete and you know you're competing against somebody who is taking a substance that's banned that could be enhancing, I understand the animosity between an athlete that an athlete like that and somebody who's been accused. So, I mean, I mean, not to say that that's going to happen with the Russians in the in the World Cup, but I think right now they want to move on so badly from this embarrassment internationally that the pressure would be on Ovechkin and, and a lot of the uh, Russian team to do something positive. And this Russian team has their work cut out for them in this thing. I mean, this oh, is they do. Their, their defense doesn't look great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going into Sochi, they they I mean, they they still had their work cut out for them, but I think there were a lot of people who felt like they could just do something. I um, felt like they were going to do something there. But yeah, you felt like because it's Russia, it's Sochi, they would just pour it, yeah. put out the stops. Yeah, but their but their def their defense is their Achilles heel. There's not a lot there. I mean, they they have a few pretty pretty decent defensemen, but. You know, it's not too up much to the passing country. around. Like it's just like too much fancy play. It's like listen, just just pound shots on net, play good, sound hockey. Don't start. You know, I don't want to say showing off because I don't think they were showing off. But I think that extra dangle, that extra whatever, those things were hurting them. Yeah, but the, just specifically the talent level. I mean, they're they're in no, they're not even in the same realm as Canada, the U.S. Maybe even Team North America, Sweden, Finland. I think yeah, there's a little drop in talent. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they, they, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure if if I was there's something I've been thinking about, and I think this this is kind of an interesting topic, perhaps, and you guys can decide whether it's interesting. It's I think it's interesting. Um, watching the Watching Brazil play in the Olympics for the soccer, soccer team, and I was talking to my wife about, well, you know, I sort of I lived in I lived through the being in Canada when Vancouver in Vancouver when the U and the Canadian team was trying to win there and I I wasn't in Russia but I was there I was in Canada and I saw what that meant and how intense that was in Canada for for Canada to win that and now how intense it is in Brazil for them to win the soccer which I think is very comparable because the sports that really that really associate with each company country <laughs> country you know what the wrong thing you know what the bad thing about soccer is I'm going to give one soccer, soccer bash you could have a tie and still move on in the tournament what the hell is up with that that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. No, I mean, there's they they haven't figured out a good way to to, to solve I mean, soccer. There's this soccer really should take a little bit of a cue from hockey and go to like seven seven v seven for they like should. you know and 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 have a winner. You know that because yeah. because penalty kicks penalty are terrible. terrible. Why not just go to seven v seven and and you would definitely get a winner. There'd be all kinds of space. You would create you would create something and it would be exciting. It would be people would love to watch it and you would see the stars doing the stars things, but. They're, man, talk about purists. Baseball purists are one thing, but hot, soccer purists are just another level altogether. I mean, it's a worldwide purism that you cannot change anything about that game. Okay. Here's the here's the Russian defense. Uh, Alexei Emelin, Dmitry Kulikov, Alexei Marchenko, the young defenseman from the Red Wings, Andrei Markov, Dmitry Orlov, Nikita Zaitsev from the Leafs, 
And I believe that after the Voyanov banning, uh, they the, the the replacement was Nesterov from Tampa Bay. I, I believe. The long hair Christmas donkey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's either too young or too old, and and like it's okay, but like too Markov isn't Markov. You know, it's tough. Too young, too old, or not good enough. I mean, right. it's, you know that. I mean, how is Nesterov a better Provorov? choice than Provorov? He's not. We. It's, it's just insane. I mean, Nesterov yeah, but, but, what? Reputation. Russian reputation. Two years older than Provorov, maybe? That's just crazy. Sure, sure. But, but yeah, I mean, he's 19, and they, you know, they've had a history of, you know, they're young stars. They have to pay their dues to be able to play on their international Yeah, but with all the pressure that's on them, I don't know. I mean, that seems a little bit... Oh, I don't believe in it either. I'm I'm pretty sure Mike doesn't, but it is the way they operate. Oh, yeah, no, it's how they operate. I mean... And I'm so I'm gonna finish my thought there. You know, is is there as much pr- was there as much pressure on Canada in Vancouver as there is on Brazil in in as the soccer team? You know? I do think it was the same. I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I yes. Know. I don't know if it is. I don't think it is, and I'll tell you why. Um, just I know we talked about this. I think culturally, what we've seen, like like the whole thing we had, the whole discussion we had with Messi, you know, like quitting. Uh, there's a whole. There's a whole, culturally the way. Losing soccer is viewed in South America versus the way losing hockey is viewed in Canada is very different. Well, let, let, okay, let's just say this. I don't foresee a situation in Canada happening like what happened in the past when Team USA played Colombia and the guy who scored the own goal was assassinated when he got off the plane in Bogota. Right, that's right. not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But I, no. I think that the pressure, the pressure from the sporting public and from from everybody in Canada on that team in 2010 was intense. They were expected. It was to incredibly win. intense. It was. I will say this. I think I think Mike's right because if you remember what they said about the ratings, it was almost like every household in Canada was watching. Right. Yeah, but every household I think in Brazil. You need to know for pressure. No, I mean, but in Brazil, this is. I mean, soccer in Brazil is just so enormous. I know. That team has had a history of choking. Um, that team is in a and where Team Canada, you know, you could you could say that they well, had they hadn't won a gold medal in a while, I guess. But let, let, let's take let's take a, a historical comparative here. I think it was the '81 Canada Cup when Canada lost to Russia, and I think it was Game Three of the final. And Mike Liu was in goal, and I think it was like seven-one or eight-one. If that had happened in the Olympics to Team USA, then the reaction would have been as bad as it was. In the World Cup, when Brazil lost to Germany by that ridiculous score, right. I mean, I, I think the pressures. I mean, the sports are different. The reaction of the fans is different. But I think the you know the, the pressure and the intensity of the pressure is sim very similar. I, I've always gotten the impression, and maybe it's wrong. And I've been around enough Canadians in my life, and been to Canada enough in my life that I I think I have it right. It almost seems like anytime Canada loses when they're expected to win, it's a choke. Oh, yeah. Right. And yeah. and when they won in 2010 and Crosby scored the goal, it was more relief that yes. they actually did. It wasn't joyous. Oh my God, we won! It was like, yes, we. You know, we that, well, that we is because like the, the only thing wrong with your discussion, with yes. your sentence, Russ, is that there is not there has never been a when Canada is expected to win. I mean, Canada has always been expected to win. There is never a situation. I mean, once in a while, there are other teams favored. It's, it's a rarity, Canada, though. In Canada, that's not the case. In Canada, yeah. from my, what I can tell, you know, and we don't have any Canadians on the show. I, I do watch Canadian TV all the time because I have a sling yeah. box up there, so I watch Canadian. Um, you know, I wa- I've grown up. My kids grew up on Canadian TV. I watch Canadian. I watch I watch TSN Sports Center, not ESPN Sports Center. So I do have like a sense of, when I watch this. I really, 
you know, it is it's a really admirable thing to me how passionate they are and how and how much this is their sport to the point where you know every every children's cartoon they're playing hockey and everything. Is I, I would agree with you for the Olympics, but like last year, like going into the under 18s with the U.S. winning all those medals, Canada was not the favorite. There's no way they could have even thought they were the favorite, and they didn't win. I mean, and so yeah. I I think there are some situations, but in the lower levels where they're not always the favorite, even in their country. But you're right with the Olympics. And when it's really something big like a Canada Cup, then I think you're right. I think it works like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess we need some Canadians to to chime in on this. Um, just just send us an email to eklanhockeybuzz.com and say, yeah. you know, we we didn't expect to win the World Cup. Or I, I mean, I watched TSN all the, throughout the World Cup last year, and I got the impression that they really felt like that they should be winning it, um, that they that they should win the World Cup. I mean, that's really the impression I got. I don't know. I might I might be wrong. And I, and they were close enough that you couldn't argue that. You couldn't sit there and say there's no way they were going to win it. It was a close enough tournament that they could have won it. Um, but you know, Sweden is Sweden, Sweden is being as good as they were as the, as they've been in that tournament lately. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things. Sorry, Echo is crazy today, guys. Um, let's see if we can. Uh, I'll log off and log, log off and log on for a second, Mike. See if it's in your side. Yeah, it's Mike's fault. It's usually Mike's fault. Um, all right, so it's, yeah, it seems fine with you and I, Russ. No problem. Um, yeah, I mean, we just had to get rid of Mike. Who knew? That's all we needed. Yeah, it's it's you know. <laughs> Hold your applause. Um, okay, so there's no, I have no sound effect. I know. I know. Uh, hey, Mike, you're back. Yeah, it was fine while you were gone. Yeah. Um, we missed you though. We did miss you still. We didn't say anything about you while you were gone. No, not at all. Of course, um, I'll, I'll just make sure I check that out when the video. Yeah, when you're editing things down later. Yeah, there you go. Um, just completely excise it from the entire thing. Right. Exactly. You can do that. No problem. So, I, I just, I get the sense that the. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's always hard to judge, like or determine passion versus passion. But I just really feel like Brazil is is a bigger is bigger is more stress on those players than it was on the game. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But then it brings me to the idea of the World Cup of Hockey, and this doesn't have the same kind of feeling that Vancouver had, right? For Canada, this is no, this, no, because because this is. I mean, okay, it's not a. It's a. It's in a sense, it's a created event. It's not. It doesn't have the gravitas of the Olympics. I mean, the Olympics before, even when it wasn't... Right. The Canada Cup was always a created event, too, and that, that always had right, that. But it's that not, it doesn't even have the feel of the Canada Cup either, for me. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And the Canada Cup was called the Canada Cup, um, yeah. to be I fair. Mean, this, the, the, uh, you know, we can't say it right now because it's a month away, and we're, we'll see at the end of the two-week tournament how it is, but this doesn't strike me as, you know... Um, bring about the same passion as Rendezvous 87 or 81 or 76 or Canada. Why did they call it Rendezvous? That was the dumbest thing, by the I way. Know, I know, but that's what it was, so I'm, I'm going to call it Why? It. Why? When is hockey ever a rendezvous? It was just in Quebec, right? That's why they did it? Because right. they had a lot of the games in Quebec? <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I really, I, to me, by the way, the Rendezvous, that was maybe the best of all of them. I mean, I, I thought that was it an was incredible. It was really good, but it was just a bad name. It was all six five games, wasn't it? It was just crazy. Yeah, fun. And there were some pretty good players back then too. Oh my! Yeah, you had you had really you were at the highlight of that era. You know that was really there were so. Probably many. if you look at it now, three quarters of Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, at least right. I mean, when you had Gretzky and Mario playing on the same team, all that, it's just it was crazy. Rendezvous was crazy, and it was and and they were so high scoring, and yet you didn't get the sense that the goal. You know what? But there's there's a good thing. So there was Gretzky and Mario then. Do we get that same feeling with, I don't know, Crosby, Ovechkin, whatever? I don't, and it's no slight to them, 
but I just feel like it was bigger with those guys than it is now. Those guys were just bigger in general. Yeah, they were I mean, just bigger. I mean, Crosby is is as big as you can probably get in this kind of era, and you know it's possible that McDavid could could get bigger than Crosby, I guess, but I don't think so. Um, I mean, no one could get bigger than Gretzky was getting at that point. It was just because mainly because of just the numbers, you know, and that yeah. was that had a lot to do with Gretzky being amazing. It also had a lot to do with there being this big variance. I talked about this with Kevin over the weekend when I was at dinner with him, but this big variance in skill level, you know, that there was. That there were players who were not as good as other. Right, right now, you can't put those kind of numbers up in the NHL because and Crosby doesn't feather his hair as nicely as Gretzky and doesn't lighten his hair either. And, but yeah, and Crosby has to face defensemen that literally all can skate. You yes. know, Gretzky didn't have to, and Gretzky had faced some some defensemen that were pylons. You know, he there right. were players back then. The the difference between top and bottom was much greater than it is now. Don't don't so, pick on don't pick on Brad Marsh. Come on. Oh, they were funny. I mean, and you know, Wayne was so much better than some players that when you get that huge disparity, you get 200 point seasons. You're not going to get that now. And you know, I mean, Connor McDavid has the potential to do that. I guess, I, I guess again, but I don't think 200 point seasons are in his future. But I think, no. that, you know, could he be as big of a star as as Crosby? Perhaps. He's got. I mean, the fact he's on Edmonton, I don't he know. has a chance to be as big or bigger than Crosby because. Even though Crosby was here in the beginning of what I would call the digital age, yeah. McDavid's in it now in the heart yeah. of the digital age. Yeah, and people argue, you know, that you know McDavid on Edmonton hurts him, but you know, like I, the nah, obvious, he's in Canada, it doesn't hurt. The obvious thing is that you know it didn't hurt it didn't hurt Gretzky, and no one even right. knew who the hell the Edmonton Oilers were at that point. Well, they were they were completely like um, they were just a franchise that came out of the blue, you know. Well, now yeah. they've always been but, around. I mean, let's just say this. I mean, the way the way Hockey Night in Canada does their broadcast, Edmonton will be will get the majority of the second. Oh, yeah. Of the yeah, they of the should, film. you know. And, you know, so you're talking, but the thing is, you're talking about, and for him to be a megastar, I think it would have behooved the NHL to have him in the Eastern, you know, in Montreal or Ottawa or Toronto in in Canada, because then he'd be at the, you know, but but. But, but that's the old days. I don't think that. I think that's old school thinking. I don't think it matters anymore. Still matter. I think it still matters. I mean, how many people? Has I mean, it mattered for Ovechkin in Washington? It's not like Washington is a sports capital. It's the capital of the U.S., but it's not the sports capital of the U.S. It's it's an okay sports city. Yeah, I it's mean, a good one. It's not one of the three best sports cities. Not by not by a long shot. Yeah, yeah, I could I could see that. I think that's. It's not, I don't. No, I wouldn't call. I don't know. No, not one of the best for sure. No, it's probably in the top ten. Yeah. But you're not going to say one of the five best sports cities is Washington. No way. Right. Right. No, definitely not. Unless you're a football. But football he has certainly right. put them on the map and kept them on the map compared to when he wasn't there. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And, and, How and, big were the Washington Capitals when Mike Gartner was there? I mean, Gartner was a tremendous talent. He's a Hall of Famer, but they're way bigger now. Oh, this has changed the Capitals completely, yeah. and and it, I mean, when you go there, it's a totally different feeling. I I went to the Cap Center back, and you went yeah, back there, you in, know, in, in the day, plenty of times. Yeah, and, and Landover, yep, and you know, or off of '95, and you would go there, and it was, you know, it was like that Saddle Dome looked like the Saddle Dome had yeah. in Calgary, and and it was it was usually I would, I would be there for I would go down for Flyers games. It would be a third Flyers fans at least, um, yep. and now. You go to Washington and for a Flyers game, and there's Flyers fans there, but it's not many. It, it no. cap, Caps have their own fans, and they they wear their jerseys, and they're out there in, in bulk. I mean, it's it's got a huge following now. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, that's that stupid guy with the air horn. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, they do. That building that building is an interesting one though. It's, it's what's cool about that building is it's right on the it's one of the right on the Amtrak 
uh, Northeast Corridor buildings, which is, you know, which is... It's great that it's in Chinatown. It's literally a part of, you know, right? It's it's in the heart of it. It's pretty cool. Did that that stupid guy with the air horn move to Pittsburgh? Because I think he was there for the Stanley Cup final. No, I'm sure he... Yeah, no one should be allowed to bring air horns. That's just something we need to get rid of right now. Um, Air horns and um, and the cowbell guy. There's a cowbell guy at Met Games... I'm telling you, he has sat near us in a section, and people love him, and we're like, get out of here, man. You are annoying us. Yeah, the shark plays the cowbell a lot in San Jose, um, and it oh. makes, you, makes you insane. Remember that? The cowbell was sitting there banging the banging. Well, maybe that's why Theo Fleury did what he did to Sharky. Yeah, <laughs> Sharky had a tough time with it. I know you had your run-ins with Sharky last couple months ago, too, Russ. You know, <laughs> um, but anyway, we won't get into that. No. Uh, Kucherov, speaking of Russians um, in uncertain situations, uh, the Kucherov negotiations have really not happened, um, <laughs> as far as yeah. Mike, Mike is who's pretty much his agent would have already had him signed to a seven-year deal had that other guy left town, but the other well, guy didn't leave well, town. Well, but I think he still wants that seven-year deal. Screw the other guy who stayed in town. You know, that's that's basically what he's saying. He says, you know, I'm the one who carried you through the playoffs last year. I'm the one who was the who led the team in goal scoring in the playoffs. So right. show me the money. Yeah, that's a peri- that's a very like uh, cavalier attitude, which I don't believe he has. Believe me. Yeah, I don't well, think he has that either. I I, I just think you know, and he's pretty laid back. Yeah. You look at the, you look at the situation, and you know maybe he does have a laid back attitude, but I'm sure that's what he pays his representatives for, and they're looking out to see him get oh, yeah. what he deserves. And you know after putting up two pretty good years, two pretty good postseasons in a row, and he's coming up as a as a restricted free agent coming off his entry level deal. I'm sure he wants what Brandon Saad got ended up getting from Columbus. I'm sure he doesn't want to be traded from Tampa Bay. He wants to win a Stanley Cup, but I'm sure he also wants. But there's no reason to do that right now. I mean, I mean, they they have put they in the NHL. It would be ridiculous for them to put another put it, it like what they did with Hedman. They did because Hedman is completely is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. He is their best defenseman, no questions asked, right? And that they that Hedman and Stamkos they had to put money into, right? right and they did. But I think I think they have to put money into Kucherov. Kucherov. But they don't have to yet. I mean, and that's the and the issue is, I mean, they they can they can wait on this a little bit. They well, can go. Well, they can play out this year. They can they they still have, they still have him as a restricted free agent. They still have him for a while, so they really well, don't have to do anything. Well, well, no, unless you don't want to, unless you want him to hold out. And I'm not going to hold out though. He's not well, a holdout. Type. Okay. Well, if okay, if if you give him a two-year deal at what Kalorn is making right now. Then fine, but the, the, the I think you would you know there's a compromise here between Tampa Bay getting him on a long-term deal and getting him for a little less, and Kucherov getting the money that he deserves. Now I think he deserves based on how he's played and based on the importance to that team. I think he's the second most important forward behind Stamkos right he might now. Be the most important person. He might be. No, most- I disagree. I I think. I, I think that that sounds like it's true, but if you talk to the coach, it's still probably Ryan Callahan, even though he doesn't put up the points. Yeah, yeah. I'm just telling you, this well, is. I know, I know. I'm just, but let's, 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 let's talk in reality here, Russ. I mean, I mean, Ryan Callahan is. Well, I mean, but we are talking reality in the sense that they got the guy there for his locker room presence and for other things. It's the same argument why Ranger fans didn't want to give him all that money. They gave right. him all that money. Here's the argument that you can make. You can flat out say this. Okay. So Stamkos misses the end of last year and on the playoffs and everything like that. Mm-hmm. If Kucherov was the guy who missed and Stamkos was healthy, is Tampa as good as 
is Tampa as good or not? Like that that's where you have to like, to me. There's no way to know. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good. It's hyperbole, and I don't know. There's no it way to hyperbole, know. but it's 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 you know hypothetical, and it's worth thinking about because that's why when I'm sit when I sit back and think about it, who I would rather have long term, I don't know if I'm oh. I'm not I'm really I really and that's a big that's a big you know ups to Kucherov. Part of that also is Kucherov is not going to be an eight million dollar player, no, but he's going to be he's going to be a six million dollar player. I oh. still would take Stamkos, and I'll tell you why. It's not based on even yeah. talent at this point. But it's based on the fact that teams will slow Kucherov down over time. Right. And teams have not been able to figure out how to slow down Stamkos really much at all. If you think yeah, about Stamkos it. has some raw talents that just that players yeah. don't have. Based like his, on, release, his release is crazy. Like that kind of stuff. There's things that he does that he's he's had like a Mike Bossy type shot that you just right. you don't based find on, in any based, players. Based on empirical evidence, when you have Kucherov and Stamkos, they make the Cup final. When you have just Kucherov and Stamkos doesn't play until Game Seven of the of the Conference Final, they don't get to the final. So you need both of them. He's a key player. Mm-hmm. He's one of those. He's one of those guys that if you're taking Chicago, he's part of that core group like Kane, like Taves, like Hosta. You ne- you have to pay that guy and you have to get that guy locked. But he's not holding out. So they're doing the right thing and they'll sign a bridge deal and they'll worry about it next year and maybe next year they'll give him an extension. When they could see past the bishop stuff and the and all the other stuff that's yeah because right now you can't you, they can't do it they they no. can't, they can't they're they're putting a lot of money into these players they can't do it there's no way I mean they still have Hedman for a year on this other contract right so right. they're still there so they're gonna they and Tampa is not a market that has a ton of money and they are no. in this they're in this really great window right now to be a, be another to win a well, cup here so well we talked about we talked about the contracts that they could conceivably move out if they yeah. We're going to sign Stamkos, and they haven't done that yet. So they didn't trade Philpola. Yeah. They, they, they didn't trade, you know, they didn't move out a, one of the defensemen. They actually re-signed a guy like Braden Colbert. I mean, nothing much changes other than losing Brian Boyle next year and and Bishop. And you've already, you're already paying uh, Vasilevsky about 60% of what you're, you're paying Bishop right now starting next year. So, I mean, I think I think – you have to give Kucherov that long-term deal. Yeah, but you know what else hurts the Kucherov contract? The fact that Jonathan Duran is Jonathan Duran again. That hurts it because right. now they're not as dependent on Kucherov because next year, starting off the year, Duran's going to be a starter for them. He's not going to be a question mark. He's not going to be – they're not going to be any of this drama. And so now Kucherov will certainly get his numbers and prove it, but they're not going to be as dependent on Kucherov as they were the year before. Well, I mean, yeah. you, you think this offseason was difficult. Next year is Duran. Well, next year is horrible. Johnson yeah. and Palat as RFA. Yeah, next year, next year is horrible. They, but they did, they did kill the uh, Hedman. Hedman would have been the other issue, right? So that was the right. big. They, they killed that off. I, I think that. But Duran's an RFA again. He's going to have to wait. See how they see it is. Listen, the only way you're going to pay for these contracts is another long. Long run, you know, you got you got to go longer to the playoffs. So that so why not just yeah, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be tough, and and you know, really, you're not really thinking too much of the future when you're not signing Kucherov. But I don't think that matters as much to Tampa as. I mean, also, you want to you want to see Duran through an entire year. Is he real? Yeah. Is he not real? I mean, there's so many things here. Duran could be the guy, but he might also fall back into not being the guy. So it's it's hard to say at this point. You know, it, it's really hard to say. So I think there's too much there's too much at stake there. Too many too much weirdness. The right one now. we're not talking about is Tyler Johnson. He certainly has slipped. 
he has slid, and, but then last year in the playoffs looked like he was could possibly. Be I know. Playing. Yeah, and and what that what that may mean, Russ, is that they you know they go to arbitration with him and get him at a reasonable figure for another year before he's qualified to to go UFA. I mean, they're going to have to make a decision either between Kucherov, Palat, or Johnson. They maybe can keep two of them. They can't keep all three. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll no, see. I think that's 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 fair. All right, so let's get into our numbers game here because we have a couple things from yesterday we want to discuss. First of all, so... Yeah, I'm going to show one quick picture just because NHL History Girl had it up. It's really cool. This is um, Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, nice. Nice. So that's... Old hockey gear. I had no idea. Yeah, there he is. Got the hockey gear on. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. You know, if the analytics people don't like him because he gives it away, gives it away, gives it away now. <laughs> <laughs> The greatest number seven ever by is voted by you by over twelve hundred twelve hundred of you in the last forty five minutes, I guess. Um, which is awesome. Howie Howie Morenz comes in at number five, um, with nine point eight. Tim Horton comes in at number four with eleven point four four. Pathetic. Chelios comes in no I'm sorry, that's that that's uh four three I'm sorry, yes. Actually sorry, Roger Bear came in below Howie Morenz. Sorry about that. <laughs> Roger Bear. <laughs> <laughs> not on my list here. So Roger Bear came on. Uh, uh, Roger Bear comes in at last. <laughs> Imarens is next. Tim Horton, Chris Chelly is at number two at nineteen point seven, and Phil Acido at number one with fifty six point five one. Someone else had brought up the fact that we didn't put Ray Bork into this list, which is probably another interesting thing because he yeah, was, but he wore seventy seven for the he wore seventy seven more. He did. Well, he wore seven for like eight, like seven years, right? Like he. I was looking at that. Years, I think. No, I was. I, I, I will find that out. Okay. But okay. it's quite yeah, a few years. Um, argue about it. <laughs> the the greatest number seven right now. Okay, so my Matt Cullen came in at fourth. Um, fourth <laughs> of four. As we expected. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you're at five point oh seven. Kyle Torres, your guy, didn't come in much higher at seven. Well, I know, but I was I was third. I mean, what do you want me to do? Now, here's the battle. I think I I thought going into this, Brent Seabrook or TJ Brody. Excuse I, me. I thought going into this that TJ Brody would win this thing. Like I thought that that was the guy that people would go with, and uh, it turns out TJ Brody came in at second at twelve point seventy seven. While seventy five percent of you out there have Brent Seabrook as the best number seven in the NHL right now. I a little I, I agree with you all. I do. I think he is the best number seven. Yeah, in I the think NHL. that's fair. But I thought TJ Brody might have a little bit of a bigger. Because we have so many Calgary people out there, but um, definitely there's uh yeah it was it was interesting. So I like that I like that um that game. So today we're gonna get into number eights. Okay, so I'm gonna bring up some eights for us all here, and um, we're gonna get to the 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 number eights all time. Well, we should we should skip the the number eight for today because we know it's no good. no actually no, no I would can't skip it no and I've got and I'm gonna make an argument why why he's not. The best number eight right now in the NHL. All right, well, so give me the first pick on that one because that's who's my pick. That's <laughs> everybody's right. first pick. I mean, well, all right, but all time. Let's start all time for a second. Let me bring stuck it. me with Kyle Turris. I mean, my God. Right. So, all time number eights. There are some good ones. I'm gonna go. Gonna give you them, guys. I thought this might be kind of a fun way of doing it first. Like I would give you guys a bunch of them because I, I came up with this really cool thing that that Shazley showed me. Should I do that or should I have let you guys pick first? Let us pick. Let All us right, pick. I'll let you pick first. Um, I will go last again because I, you know, I'm, I'm that kind of person. I, you're magnanimous. Uh, I like to go last. <laughs> four hundred and four players in the history of the NHL have worn number eight. By the way, um, if you're if you're curious, this is according to um, HockeyReference.com, which really has a great section for numbers, which I found. They're great for that. 
you know, including some odd ones like Danny Briere, who wore it for five years with the Phoenix Coyotes. I remember that. I remember that. Um, Danny Briere would like to forget the Phoenix Coyotes, though. So yeah, like I said before, he was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets. Um, yeah. You go to Winnipeg Jets. Matt Cullen wore number eight. Actually, I could go with him again. More number yes, eight. Why don't you go with Matt Cullen again? Yeah, keep going, mate. Eventually, you'll win. How about Paul Sear for the Buffalo Sabers? Um, Paul Sear wore eighteen. He wore number eight for one year in nineteen eighty-eight. He wore number eight. Yeah, that was before he was traded. Nathan Horton for the Columbus Blue Jackets. A brief history there. Wore number eight. Um, yeah, there's some good ones here. So, but uh, and there are some, of course, Hall of Famers. Um, and I guess we'll let you guys go with that. But um, why don't you start this out? Mike, go ahead. Number eight, all time. The Finnish Flash, Timu Solani. Oh, ooh, good one. Uh, yeah, Timu. Wow. I mean, obviously set all kinds of records. Um, you know, yeah, obviously, if we were, if if I was gonna do this, what you did, since Shea Weber is still playing, I would have taken Alex, but he's playing still. So we're tra- keeping this separate. He's retired. I'm taking Solani. Okay. Um, Solani wore eight. His entire career, right? He didn't wear another. No, he didn't number. wear anything else. Yep. That's pretty impressive that he did that too. Um, how about Steve Vickers? Russ, you going to go with him? I'm not going to go with Sarge, but I like Sarge. I like Tony Amante, who I think also wore the number. Jim, um, Jim Lorenz with the Buffalo Sabers, Batman. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Scotty Upshaw wore it with Phoenix and Columbus. Scotty Upshaw. I am not going to go with. I'm going to go with someone who would have beaten up Team Mussolini and Cam Neely. Cam Neely. All right, can't see that. I, I'm going to go into this and say that Cam Neely is one of the most overrated players of all time. Oh, oh my God! My say God. it to him in person. I yeah. want you to say it to him. In I person. would. I would. <laughs> I completely would. I don't think you would. Me, let's play the theme song from Death Wish. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm not going to go with uh, Jim Neal or um, Ted Nolan. Um, I'm not, not going to go. Save Aki Berg for me. Just <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, Tony McKegney as a Buffalo Saber. Uh, nope, nope, good nope, one. nope. Some good names. Some good names on here. Um, <laughs> Jack McMillan, uh, back in the old Maple Leaf days. There's a really good name. Sid Smith, number eight for a long time, back in the really in the heydays. Or, yeah. or how about Alan Stanley from the New York Rangers? Alan Stanley was a heck of a player. He was a heck of a player. A Hall of Famer, I believe. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Wasn't, so, I mean, Dave, wasn't Dave Schultz eight? Dave Schultz was number eight. I was, looking, I was trying to look at the Hall of Famers who are number eight. And um, Solani's not in the Hall of Fame yet, right? Because no, not yet. He, he will be. But as, when I was going through this list, I believe there's – okay, there's – Well, I, I have one for you, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, Igor Lariano. Right. No, and that, that one might have been one of my picks, but it's not going to be one of my picks. Um, but he definitely he definitely deserves to be on there. I'm going to put him on there because there's only three of us today, so I'm going to put Lariano on there as well. That's fair. I'm going to go with Alex Ovechkin um, as the number eight of all time. Um, and I just, I, I really think that, what's wrong with that, Mike? Nothing. I thought, I thought we were doing. We are uh, doing the current two, but I still think he's the greatest number eight of all time. That's fine. I'm okay with it. Okay. I mean, it's, I mean, look at what he's done in the period of time he's been in the NHL. I just think it's hard to, I actually, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm not going to pick him as the greatest number eight currently playing. How about that? But he is the best number eight of all time. Okay. Um, no yeah, question whatever. about it. No, he is. He is. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the number eight, number eight Hall of Famers. Ready? These go are, ahead. These are, some of these are really good. So Mark uh, Here we go. Um, Dick Duff. Shouldn't Canadian, be a Hall of Famer, but okay, go ahead. Canadians and Buffalo Sabers. Shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, huh? And Toronto. 
Um, actually, but he didn't wear number eight in Toronto. Um, Mike, would you put him in the Hall of Fame, Dick Duff? Yeah, probably not. Silvio Mantha, uh, Montreal Canadiens, 24-25, number eight, Hall of Fame. Played only two years there. Um, Father of Mo Mantha, I believe. Bill, Mosien Bill Mosienko, yep. Blackhawks, 51-55. to Larry Murphy, Washington and Minnesota, with number, number eight. With, he was number eight on both those teams. Not number eight, of course, in Toronto. Or Detroit. Or Detroit, right. Um, and let's see who else we have here on the list of number eight Hall of Famers. Um Alan Stanley, like we said. We said Alan Stanley, and I think that might be it. That is it. So, not a lot of number oh, eight. Rick Martin. There's some others. I didn't see Rick Martin as a Hall of Famer, is he? No, he's, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. Sorry, you're just doing yeah. Hall of Famer. I'm just doing Hall of Famers, yep. Cam number Neely, seven. obviously. He's number seven. He's number seven. Yeah, Cam Neely, Hall of Famer. So, I'm going with Ovechkin, and um, there you have it. So, there's our list for today. Larianov, we're going to add in there as well, because, I mean, it's hard not to put Igor Larianov, who really was one of the most dynamic players, and had he played his entire career in the NHL, might, oh, he would be, have been dynamite. might be the best like, number eight of all time if he had just played in the NHL. Um, but, you know, as, as far as his whole career goes, yeah, that's hard to say. Now, Dave Silk. All right, never mind. Dave Silk. All right, there are 15 players currently in the NHL, at least as of last year, because we're doing this, you know, as of last year, because some players have moved around, and we don't know what numbers they'll be, who are wearing number eight. All right. Um, yesterday, I believe, who went first yesterday in the coin, coin toss? Oh, Russia went first. So, Mike, you can go first today with the greatest number eight currently playing. That would be Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Are you sure about that pick? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right. That's a good one. Um, all right, I'll let you have that one. Um, so, I we don't have to make a case for Alex Ovechkin, I guess. We're pretty safe. No, to no, say. You, don't, you, don't you all to know. Stop. Okay, so... Um, all right, Russ, go ahead. Give me yours. Joe Pavelski. See, that's a good one. That is that might that was mine, and I think he is he is right now better than Alexander Ovechkin is. But we're not going to go there. He had more points last year than Ovechkin. He, you know, was a higher plus minus player. I just I I you know anyway, I'm going to say right now, currently Pavelski underrated Pavelski. All right, so I'm not going to go with Joe Colburn. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm not going to go with Justin Abdelkader. Go with Joe Colburn. Not going to go with Abdicator or Toby, Tobias Ryder. Uh, not going to go with Kevin Klein, although he's or a good Davis player. Uh, no, no, no. Jacob Truba. No Jacob Truba, even though he's a pretty good number eight. David Schlemko. Nope, not him. Uh, Chris Tanney. Nope. Um, Brian Dumbelin. Nope. Oh, let's just go yeah. with the guy. Jack Skilly. No, I got to say these. Jack Skilly, Connor Carrick. Nah. Peter Granberg. Nope. Griffin Reinhardt. No. Um, I am going to go with Drew Doughty, who is. It's a good number eight. That's a good number eight. Who's a good number eight? Um, and I think that we've got. I mean, these playing. all three of these might be better. All three of these would have won in the number seven category yesterday. But yes. but Pavelski, Ovechkin, and Dowdy. So there's your battle. Um, and we don't think we can put a fourth in there. I don't even think there's a fourth that really that you know. I mean, Shattenkirk is maybe the fourth, but Shattenkirk's not number eight. He's he's worn number eight. But he's not number eight. Next last year we're talking about currently. Oh, okay, last year. Currently, he's not number eight. Okay. Um, I think the next best number eight on here would probably be Abdelkader. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not even worthy of the list. Or Colburn. I mean, Colburn had a half of a year last nah, year. No, 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 no. Let's go with the three. That's fine. Kevin Klein's pretty good too. Um, Jacob yeah, Truba. Kevin Jake. Klein. I love Kevin Klein. He he's not on the list. Yeah, Truba could be could be that player eventually. Just go with could be. <laughs> anyway, so there's number eight. Tomorrow we will do number nine, um, which is a hard, uh, really, really hard one. Um, yeah, we can. We can we can we can pretty much say with confidence who's going to win the all-time number nine. 
Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's 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 two. There's obviously. other greats. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's actually three really phenomenal, and there's probably more. But anyway, let's well, yeah, just, yeah. save that for tomorrow. Save that for we'll tomorrow. definitely save that for tomorrow. One, of course, being, you know, this one. I, I knew that was coming. <laughs> so there you have number nine. Um, that's all we have time for today. For an alumni team, yes. For an alumni team, yeah. Oh, by the way, I, was thinking, oh, I wanted to bring this up real fast. Sorry. Um, the alumni team, did you see this? The alumni team yeah. for the Blues? Oh, no, I didn't see it for the okay, Blues. So, I was looking at the Legends Classic. We should mention that afterwards. Go ahead. Yeah, so I didn't see the Legends Classics. But the, the Blues alumni team, a couple players that are on this team that are really kind of weird. Not weird, but just I think this is the first time. I'm just going to bring up the list here. Um, I believe this is the first time ever that <laughs> – a player still being paid to play in the NHL is on an alumni team. Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger, yeah. yeah. I mean, he still is picking up a contract and is not able to play in the NHL. Yeah, he won't. He won't be playing though. He's playing. He is playing. Yes. I bet you he's just dressing. I bet you he's not yeah. playing. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, the Coyotes want to put him in the lineup right away. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's gonna play. I think he'll dress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she'll be a coach. She'll be a coach behind the back. Who else? Name some other names. Uh, Brett Hall, Bernie Federico, Al McGinnis are all going to play. Right. Um, they were, I mean, like, this will we, be the first time we see McGinnis take a shot with a uh, composite. Yeah, I wonder if he'll use one or if we'll just go with a, a good old-fashioned wooden stick. No, no he's he'll go with a composite because I've spoken to Ryan about it, and and Ryan said that his dad does shoot composites now, and mm. so I think he'll go with a composite. All right, there you go. Well, Kid Rock will perform again at the Winter Classic, by the way, if you're curious. Oh boy. What do you mean again? Has he done it before? Yeah, hasn't he been there? But he's no. Been, he's, been, he's done other NHL things, though. Yeah, but not okay. there. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, I, just having spent a week in St. Louis, it's going to be fun. I mean, I, I, I'm going to just mention the Legends Classic lineup real quick, and then we're okay. going to go. It's the Hall of Fame team. The, the fact that it's it's sponsored by Hagar, you know, the people who make buffet pans, is <laughs> That's hilarious. The people so, who make expanding pants. You can't, you can't make it up. Team Lindros has Coffee, Lindros, Jason Arnott, Patrice Brisbois, Terry Karkner, Ron Duguay, Adam Graves, John LeClaire, Michael Renberg. Team Salming has Mike Gardner, Doug Gilmore, Boya Salming, Daryl Sittler, Wendell Clark, Shane Corson, J.S. Shiger, Thomas Caberlet, Brian McCabe, Luke Richardson, Rick Vave, and Tiger Williams. I'm going with Team Lindros. They're younger. So it's the it's the it's the Leafs an alumni basically. Yeah. 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 I'm going to say this right now that Caberlet is going to be traded. Um, <laughs> Thomas no, Caberlet will definitely yeah, be moved. But, but McCabe won't waive his no trade clause. Right, but Thomas Caberlet okay. will definitely be moved. And um, but, it's, but it's genius to have Hagar be the sponsor. Like that writes itself. Yeah, yeah just that look really at those uh, ex players. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm sure more than one of them have a pair of Hagar pants in their closets. Uh, that's awesome. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.